Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Andrea Jensen. Andrea is the founder of the Cash Flow CFO, the entrepreneur's solution to confidently running their business based on facts, not emotions, providing virtual CFO services, bookkeeping, and tax support to small business owners. Andrea has had an affinity for numbers from an early age, and prior to opening her firm, ran the accountant departments for some of the largest companies in the world. Today, Andrea's goal is simple, to give business owners a simple way to understand their numbers. Andrea and her team help their clients implement financial systems and processes that allow for empowered decision-making to help entrepreneurs scale their business to the next level. Their modern boutique approach provides well-thought-out practical financial solutions designed to help entrepreneurs run and scale their business with confidence and clarity. Andrea is a wife, mother, soccer player, and passionate volunteer who spends her free time helping kids with Cancer Thrive and Shelter Dogs Find Forever Homes. In this conversation, Andrea and I are discussing everything numbers and hiring. We're discussing the first key team members you should be adding to your team, how you can use your numbers to make fact-based decisions about hiring and not let fears or emotions stop you, and We're talking more about the financial team you need for business success, including what those positions are and when you should add them to your team. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. Can you kick us off by introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Andrea Jensen, and I own a virtual CFO uh, bookkeeping and tax firm where we support business owners who are trying to get a handle on their numbers. They are trying to learn to love their numbers and really grasp the power that having all of their financials in order and tracking their numbers on an ongoing regular basis um, provides to them so that they can grow their business in a strategic and uh, easy way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I loved it. And when you came to me, one of the things that, that I loved about what you said was the financial team that you need to grow your business and talking more about that because I feel like some, there's some business owners that are like, I need help with the numbers. I need help. Like, let me go get that help right away. And other people are like, well, I can easily handle my bookkeeping by myself. It's just simple here, here, and here. So I feel like sometimes the financial team gets overlooked Mm -hmm. and, but we need it. 
Yes. Your bookkeeper should be one of the very first hires that you make in your business. And that can be somebody that works two hours a week for you. That can be somebody that works 20 hours a week, depending on what you need um, in your business and the volume of transactions that you have. But having that as your first key hire is going to help you keep things organized. You're not going to overpay on your taxes. And you're always going to know where you're at as you're growing your business because you're going to have that profit and loss statement and balance sheet to be looking at and making informed decisions in your business. Yeah, I like that. I am all about numbers. So anything that makes the numbers easier, I feel is great. One of the questions I do have about bookkeeping is, so I know a lot of our audience is service-based. So they don't have a, a lot of the expenses coming in with inventory and stuff like that. So it's pretty much like the subscription services that are coming. Like that's the biggest bulk of their expenses. And those are, because they're subscription, happening every month. So I know that there's sometimes this thing, it's like, well, what exactly am I paying a bookkeeper to do when it's these reoccurring items that are coming out of my bank account. And then a lot of my clients are reoccurring payments. So it's reoccurring coming into my bank account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really important to have somebody that's watching those numbers. Um, even if they're reoccurring, you can have a client that makes a payment and it processes, and then something happens on the back end, and that money doesn't hit your bank account. And you might not find out about it for a couple days, a couple weeks, depending on how closely you're watching your numbers. Um, you might have a subscription that double bills you or that you've stopped using. And if you're not looking at that information on a regular basis, you're not going to catch those things and you're going to have money leaks in your business. So one of the things that we uh, recommend for our clients to do, talking about subscriptions, is once a quarter or depending on the volume of subscriptions that they have, take out three highlighters a red one or a pink one, a green one and a yellow one and go through and say, yep, green, I'm still using it. Um, if it's yellow, it's kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm still using it. Let me, you know, look into if I still need it. And then the pink is like, oh gosh, I don't even remember signing up for that. Let me highlight that in pink and go back and, and cancel that subscription. So that's a good thing to get into. And you won't have that information in a handy um, format for you to look at if you don't have good books. Right. Yeah getting rid of those subscriptions can be a great money saver. I know when I rebranded my business back in June, that was one of the first things I did. I said, with everything, I have to go and update my email address in the system. So let me see now if it's worth it or if I can just cancel it. And then there's also been other ones as I started to really analyze where my money is going to see if I'm getting a return on using that subscription service. So there were some things that I was paying for that I was using, but then when I actually broke it down to what is this doing for my business, I'm like, yeah, it's not worth it. So mm -hmm. I was able to get rid of it, which not only did I save the money from getting rid of it, I saved the time from using it and was able to go focus on other things that are actually making an impact on my business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talk about money leaks a lot in my industry in particular, because that's how we help support business owners. You know, you're out there really working hard to get those clients and to service them. And if you're not watching how the money's going out on the back end, it's just this cycle, right? The money comes in and it goes out just as fast. And so having systems 
in place, like we just talked about, is really going to help, you know, create that, that foundation so that as your business grows, you get busier, you can say, okay, somebody else can, you know, now manage this process. And so it's really good to start creating those foundations, no matter what size your business is. Um, I think that's a great, great place to, to start off. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you use the term money leaks because one of the things that I talk about a lot is if you're going to hire someone, making sure that you're going to get an ROI off of that position, that you're getting something in return. And most of the time that ROI is financial that you're aiming for. Sometimes you're just like, I just need to save the time. I don't care if I ever make another dime off this. The money I'm spending on it is 100% worth it when I look at the time. But a lot of times we want to earn more money or save money because we're hiring. And that's one thing that most people probably never think of is waste of money in a business. So if your bookkeeper can help save money that potentially covers the cost of having that bookkeeper, you've already proved your financial ROI for that position. Yeah, absolutely. On average, 70% of business owners overpay on their taxes purely because they're not classifying their deductions, they're not classifying their expenses in the correct format for their accountant to come in or their tax preparer to, to turn them from an expense into a deduction. Um, and they're also, they're missing, you know, how many times as business owners have we gone to the store and realized I'm buying um, office paper and I only have my personal debit card. I forgot my business card. So you put it on your personal account. And if you don't remember to layer that into your books, it's not going to show up on your business bank account, your business credit card. So you're missing out and you're essentially overpaying on taxes. So bookkeepers, you know, they pay for themselves in spades when it comes to uh, making sure everything gets captured and that you, the business owner, are really getting the most um the most expenses, you know, taken off of that taxable income amount that you need to pay. Right. Awesome. So, but a bookkeeper is only one part of the financial team that you should end up having in your business as your business grows, correct? That's absolutely true. So who else do we need to plan to have on our financial team for our business? Yeah. So this is one of the most um, asked questions that we get because a lot of people um, will come to us, a lot of business owners, and they say, I have a tax preparer, I have a bookkeeper, I still don't get the information that I need to run my business on a day-to-day -day managerial level. And the reason for that is because those aren't the skill sets that they're asking of those people. So I give the analogy of if you're driving down the road in your car, your bookkeeper and your tax preparer are sitting in the back seat and they're looking out the rear view window. They're telling you where you went and how much you spent. In the front seat sitting next to you, the business owner is your CFO. And they're looking out the front windshield of the car and they're telling you, here's what's coming up, here's how to plan and here's how to be prepared. So you need somebody in the car, but they all serve very different purposes in your business. Oh, that's such a great way to think about that. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about hiring outside of your financial team. Mm -hmm. when, when do you think it's the right time for a business to start hiring those other team members? Because obviously you said the bookkeeper is one of the first people that you should hire, but outside of that bookkeeper. So the people that are actually going to help with the day-to-day -day tasks of serving clients or making products within a business, 
or the backend admin work outside of the books? Yeah, definitely. So if you look, a, a very, very simple way to look at it is look at your sales pipeline. What do you have? You know, how long is your sales pipeline, first of all? When do you expect those uh, prospects to convert into sales? And by looking at it from that way, you can reverse engineer of how much can I produce and when do I need support? If I close 20% of what's in my pipeline right now, can I deliver that? Um, or do I need to hire forward so that I have time to get somebody trained, get them up to speed before they can help support those future sales that are going to be coming in? Right. And I love that you said that, like hiring forward, because I always get asked that. It's like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do I hire before the work is there so I can train them? Or do I wait till I have the work so that way I can support the team member? And I know the one way I look at it is, is okay, especially for like businesses that you know are seasonal. So you know, you're going to get an uptick of work. Are you going to have the ability to train someone when that uptick of work is there? If not, because you're going to be busy serving the uptick of business that you need to hire in the forefront of that and get a person on and trained and prepare for that business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now we start talking about my favorite things, which is metrics, key performance indicators, um, metrics in your business. So if you're looking at your leads and you think of, we have our proprietary, we call it the cash flow funnel. So imagine you have a funnel, an upside down triangle. At the top is leads. And that is all of the people, all the eyeballs in your business that are opportunities to talk to them, to convert them to sales. Then the next level is your sales conversion rate, which turns into dollars, your, your total revenue. And then from there, you're going to have to um, allocate how you're going to Say you get $100, 40% of that or 40 cents should go into your cost of goods sold. So what you're spending on the team, on the software, on the, if you're a product, you're buying the materials, you're producing, you're putting them together, you're shipping them. Those are your cost of goods sold. So for every dollar, 40, you know, 40 cents is going into that bucket, if you will. And then you have all the other pieces. So your cost of goods sold is one, then you have your general and administrative, that should be around 20%, um, your marketing 10, and then your profit is what's left. So if you think of hiring in that, those buckets, then you can say, okay, if I know I'm going to get $1,000 worth of work, and I have this much team, you know, this is my budget to deliver it, do I have the right team? Or do I need more or, you know, so you can really gauge um, your staffing levels that way. And also it keeps you in budget, which is also really, you know, important to look at too. Yeah, you definitely have to be able to afford your team. Otherwise, you're probably going to be firing them because you can no longer afford them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can see how it all flows together. It's all part of that strategy and that, that financial plan that that's where your CFO comes in. They help you craft and create that. Your bookkeeper is monitoring it to make sure that budget versus actual, you know, things are lining up like we thought. And then your tax preparer, you know, comes in at the end and just does that one piece. So you can see the flow of the financial team and how they support all of the other operations in the business. Right. So I just thought of something. I've been having this conversation lately with a bunch of my clients, and it seems like it's something that is on a lot of people's minds. So I'm sure there's people today that are listening that this is going to resonate with them. A lot of my clients fear hiring 
because of what might happen in the future. So right now they're looking at it. It's like, what happens if there's another COVID lockdown and, and my business is then suffering because of it? And what happens if there's a recession after it? And what happens after this? And what happens after that? And I always have to tell my clients, you need to plan and hire and do things based on what's going on in your business today and if the projections you have today continue based on like past performance. Anything could happen in the future that you're not planning for. Nobody thought that there was going to be a lockdown back in March and properly prepared for that. So anything could happen at any point in time, but you need to act on what the numbers and everything are telling you now, not what could happen in the future, because those are a bunch of what ifs. And what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think that there's a lot, a lot of value with that. And also we can talk about leading indicators. So a leading indicator would be your total leads. How many leads are coming into your pipeline? If all of a sudden your leads start to shrink, you, you know, that is a leading indicator of your sales down, you know, two, three, four, six months down the road. So by keeping a watch and, and tracking all the numbers in your business, I know it's not sexy. And when you're a busy business owner, it's the last thing you want to do, but that's why you need a financial team that that's their gig. They love doing it and they do it really well and they have systems in place to help you. So by tracking, you know, if you see your lead, the volume of leads coming into your business dropping, then that's where you start to look at and go, okay, is this a, a blip? one-time thing is this are we starting to see a trend that this is happening um, and then you can adjust your business accordingly and um, your team would be part of you know looking at that analysis and saying are we overstaffed are we understaffed what's happening um, in the market right yeah i think that is such great advice and there's so many important things there of looking at what's going on, having the person on your team that can help you look at what's going on, especially as your business is growing and your, your focus needs to be elsewhere and that you're making the right decisions. Like I am such a fact-based, let's look at what's going on. So when my clients are having those fears, it's like, what's going on now? Let's look at what's going on and make a decision based on that versus unjustified feelings or like these fears that what they, they always say, like fears are false evidence appearing real. Like there's anything could happen. Anything could happen. And even if we look back at March with the shutdown, some of my clients that I was working with then they put their hiring on hold and I was like, okay, let's get through two weeks, three weeks, see what's going on. Because at that point in time, we're like, this just started. We have no idea but let's put a time frame around it and then make decisions from there. And some of them realized that their businesses were still thriving, that there was actually no change to their business simply because they had to go remote. And so that's an important thing to look at is, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And even if there's a downtime for someone else it could be an uptime for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that also kind of like starts to tiptoe into the money mindset and as business owners, where our mindset is, is directly going to impact our business. And so by keeping the, keeping the data in front of you and using that as your signposts instead of what you're feeling and, and the, the, the thoughts racing through your head, it's going to help you 
to kind of stay focused. If you don't, um, you know, freak out, your team's not going to freak out. Everything's just going to be a lot smoother. And so just one more case for the having data um, that you use to manage your business, make spending decisions, you know, using all of the information that's available to you is just going to make your life so much easier. Yeah. Speaking of money mindset issues and data and with hiring, there's two scenarios that I want to get your opinion on. So the one was, I know some business owners, they're part-time in their business because they can't go full-time yet because they can't let go of that full-time job. Uh, the one person that I'm thinking of, they couldn't let, their full, let go of their full-time job because they held the benefits for their family. So they, she couldn't come over to her business until her business grew to a point where it, they could afford the health insurance on their own with, without having to have the company sponsored health insurance. So she was going through, do I let go of more of the money in my business so I can hire someone who can grow that business for me, even though I get a smaller part of the pie or even having to let go of the money that I can take home completely now, but knowing that it's going to allow me to get to where my business needs to be financially. So then I can step into that role for my business. And what is your take on that? So what a great exercise in restraint, right? Because the whole idea is for every dollar you make, you're putting the allocation in the right bucket. And as your sales grow, you have the ability to grow your team. Ideally, the business owner isn't in any of those buckets to begin with. Like that's the whole goal of us having a business, right? And so in this example, what you're sharing is that she was forced to train the right people, have them, you know, within budget, produce, deliver, whatever, you know, product or service. I don't know what she was in, but, and make it all work without her. So, because a lot of times business owners will get in there and do the sweat equity. And right. that's a hard, that's a hamster wheel to get out of. And so I think that was, you know, such a blessing in disguise for that business owner that you gave the example of. Yeah. And then the other one that, that I want to talk through is a business owner was once saying, okay, she realized she needed to hire for her business. Like she was full-time in her business, but with the position that she wanted to hire for, she would end up paying that person more than she was paying herself. Mm -hmm. So I guess it kind of is like somewhat of the same because they're having to give someone more than they're taking it from themselves at that point in time, but this person was actually going to be still running the business day to day. And I know some people will sit there and say, and I think it goes to that mindset issue is why am I running this business and paying someone more than I'm paying myself? Therefore I can't afford a team member yet. But what is your, what is your take on that? Is it okay at certain points in your business to be paying someone in your business as one specific team member more than you're taking yourself? Yeah, I would say it depends on what the role of that person is. So for example, if you're in a service-based business and you need somebody to deliver the consultation or deliver the service, you as the business owner, you probably don't want to be doing that all day, every day. So hiring somebody to do that makes sense as long as it's within that 40% that we talked about for cost of goods sold. Um, typically, so say for example, if you can't make it work within that 40% of your cost of goods sold, you need to raise your prices. Something in your business model is off. And so that's a good indicator. Um, the, other, the other piece of that is if the business owner is stepping more into an admin role, this other person is delivering the service, well then she's coming out of a different bucket that has a much lower 
um, percentage allocation to it. And so it all ends up the same. You either, if you want to bring, if you want to buy something in your business you can't afford right now, you want to hire somebody you can't afford, run the numbers, do it backwards and say, well, how much does my sales need to be in order to afford that? And so that, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to analyze that question, but I think that um, sometimes it does make sense. Right. And one of the things that you said I found really interesting to something that's going on locally here is in Florida with the past election, they just voted that they're going to be raising the minimum wage here in Florida. I think it's over the next five or six years, it's going to go up to $15 an hour. And I know from a lot of business groups, people are panicking about that because they're like, how can I afford to have a team member? And you said, raise your prices. If you can't afford the staff, you need to bring in more money to your business. And I think that's sometimes where people need to look at is there's ways to afford the staff that you need. And sometimes it means raising your prices so you can bring in more revenue or finding other ways to bring that additional income into your business. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at, you know, um, different revenue streams that are um, complementary to what you're already doing. Um, how can you add more value to raise your prices without adding more like labor hours um, along with that? So there's a lot of different ways that you can can do that. But yeah, when when government regulations like that change or, you know, anything like I'm in California and we have a whole bunch of <laughs> whole bunch of things that we have to make sure we're doing, you know, that are very costly for having a team. And so it really just all goes into that calculation and you, you know, you have to run the numbers and see what does my sales need to be to make all of these things work. Right. And I want to touch on something that you just mentioned. Now, obviously we have people in different states, people in even different countries listening to this, so we can't get really into the specifics, but when people go to hire a team member for the first time, so hire an employee, I feel like they're always shocked when they find out everything that they have to pay on top of that hourly rate, like that just flat hourly rate. So what are some of the things that you need to think about or look into to see if you have to add this cost when you go to hire a team member? Yeah, absolutely. We call it a blended rate. So it, labor, like the actual hourly rate is just one piece of, of that dollar amount that you need to put into your budget. So for example, you're gonna have to pay um, employer payroll taxes. Do you offer benefits? Do you offer paid time off? Do you offer cell phone reimbursement? Do you offer, you know, the list could go on and on and on, right? So you have to look at how much does that truly cost me, break that down into an hourly rate um, and then add that into their, their hourly pay. So you get that blended rate to really understand the true cost of hiring um, in your business. Now, I want to ask you a question because this is something that because I'm, I'm good with numbers, but I've never, I'm not, I've never really studied the finance, business finances and everything like that. I, I've heard a lot lately of when you're hiring a team members and you, there's like the cost of that vacation time that you give them. But I always look at that as like, but you're paying someone the same, whether they're there or not. It's just, you're giving them days where they're not there, not there physically working. Mm-hmm. But when you look at sometimes the benefits, when I know when I was in corporate and there'd be this benefits breakdown, it was like, well, here's the cost of your vacation hours. And it's like, but why does it cost differently? Like, why is it listed differently than it just being the same of this is your pay rate? And it's just, we're paying you not to be here on certain days. 
I don't know if that question was clear of, <laughs> of like, why is there the cost? Of, why is that cost of a benefit listed differently? Or we have to factor it in, in addition to their hourly rates versus just paying them their hourly rate mm -hmm. on those days. So as an employer, if you have employees and you say you get two weeks paid vacation, if that employee terms, do they get to cash out and take their PTO? If so, as a business owner, you should be accruing the, that hourly rate and putting it aside in a savings account because that's going to take a big dip on your cash flow okay. if you're not expecting that. So that's, that's just something that a lot of business owners don't think about until they get in that spot where they have to write the check and they're like, oh, I didn't put money aside. Um, so okay. that's one thing. When you're looking at your compensation package, so typically, I think the example you're giving is if you're a salaried employee or an hourly employee. So if you're an hourly employee, then it's either you worked it or you can pull from your bucket. So it's the same amount of an annual number. But if you're salary, you're going to get that same salary no matter what. And so the, the vacation or anything you're adding on top of that is going to come out of that. It's going to be in addition to. Okay. All right. Okay. I think that makes a little bit more sense. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, so, and also just a side note, so you can be accruing those PTO hours on your balance sheet. It wouldn't go on your P and L until you pay it out. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. So the way to look at it is okay. So you're paying your, it's an expense that you have you just might not have paid it out yet. So when then they use it, you pay it out. So there is that, that fluctuation there. It's just when you, when you have, when they haven't used it, you have to factor it into your expenses. Makes sense. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. That, I, I don't know if this is a question that you'd be able to answer, but one of the things with small businesses, when they start thinking about benefits, they start thinking about, I, the first thing is like, I can't afford, or I'm not giving benefits. And then I always walk through the questions like, okay, there's other benefits other than health insurance. That's right. not the only benefit out there. Like for example, paid time off, holidays, like all those, all those things. Do you feel like there's, when it comes to expenses like health insurance, that businesses are adding that to their benefits at the right time when just looking financially or do most businesses hold off too long on providing benefits like health insurance to their team? Well, I think it really boils down to, are you in a competitive market or not? And do you need to add that to your package, your employment package to attract the, the highest quality talent uh, to keep, you know, your business competitive and, and, um, getting the best people to work with your customers and deliver all your products and services. So if that's part of the equation, then that might change the way that I answer this question, because that's something that you just, you have to do. And, and it's, you have the same dollar to spend, whether you spend it in cost of goods, GNA marketing, you have to play that game to make it work specifically to your company and, and your industry and all of that stuff. But just in general, I think that, when you look at your budget, so your um, if you offer benefits, you know medical, dental, that kind of things, it's going to come out of your GNA budget. So you have to be at the high enough um, income line item to be able to absorb that and it not affect you know your profit or you know things like that. Because as you grow steadily, your profit needs to always be at least you know ten say 20% is like, try not to go any lower than that. 
some industries you have to, it just depends, you know? So, yeah. But yeah, I would just say, you know, run the numbers and when you're able to financially afford it, then, you know, you're going to attract better, better people and they'll stay with you longer. And that's a whole nother podcast episode we can do is the cost of turnover and the cost of hiring, the cost, you know, people, business owners don't realize how much it truly costs them um, to, to attract, to hire, to train all of those things that go into that, um, you know, and how much it really affects their bottom line. Right. I was actually, uh, one of my clients that I'm working with now, um, that we started working together because of someone I know, and she made comment that hiring was a real priority. She was going to do it on her own. Um, but she was going to have to put a hold on taking new clients in order to focus on the hiring. And that's what I was like, hold on, wait, (laughs) how much is that going to cost your business? Now, yeah. how much is it to hire me to do that for you? Okay. See, Ask it makes financial else. sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true because a lot of business owners, especially in the early, you know, when they're doing a lot of things and wearing a lot of hats, it's like you only get the same amount of hours in the day and they have to figure out ways to get everything done. And that's really where it comes into. If you bring in an expert like yourself to help them hire, um, or you bring in someone like me to help create this strategy and do all the spreadsheets and numbers for you, you're going to end up saving so much time and money in the long run. And typically business owners are the best salespeople. So if they can spend their time selling what they do and just generating the revenue, then hire the people that do the other things really well and they'll make more money that way. Right. Exactly. All right. So before we wrap up today's episode, I want to go back to some of the things we were talking about at the very beginning. So hiring a bookkeeper and hiring all these other financial people or your financial team. What are the things that people might be thinking about now is, okay, we talked about how a bookkeeper is the very first person I should be hiring for my business, but when does it make sense to bring these other people in? Now we know what they'll do. We know the ones that are in the back seat. We know the CFO is the one that's helping us like navigate in that front seat. But should I be hiring all three at the same time? Should I be waiting? What, what makes sense here? How can I add this to my business roadmap and my plan as I map out and envision the team that I'm having? Mm, that's a great question. So as your business is scaling in revenue, then, you know, first hire a bookkeeper. You can get them for a couple hours or however much your business needs. So it it doesn't need to be a huge expense um, when you're just starting off. But as your business starts to grow, when you hit that six figure mark, that's where you should be um, either looking at a bookkeeper that can, you know, like our firm, for example, you can hire our bookkeepers and you can do like a quarterly meeting with a CFO. So you're not bringing somebody in part-time, even fractionally, you're just getting that, that spot quarterly kind of check-in advice and you can keep going, you know, for the next three months. When you get to about 700,000, I would say you should start looking at uh, a fractional CFO service. Now to hire a CFO in your business, you're looking at a salary of like 350,000 a year. So the beauty of companies like mine is that you can get that fraction for, you know, a 10th of that price and you're able to really get that targeted advice and those schedules, that roadmap to your financial goals. And as a business owner, you're just the clarity, the peace of mind that that gives you is, is tremendous. 
you know, and then as your business grows, you can look at who else do you need to fill in as far as you might, you know, like we also serve as a full service outsourced accounting department. So accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll, you know, that might be one person to start, but as you grow, you might need to add in more people because the volume is increased as your business grows. Right. Is there a certain threshold or point where it makes sense to bring these people, any of these people internally? Absolutely. Yeah. When you get to a point where you're probably doing about, I'd say seven, seven million and above is when you'll probably want to bring in um, somebody in house. But then again, we've got so many companies that are virtual now and so many um, online businesses that a company like mine dovetails really well in and you can have all of those people, but you're going through a firm and you don't have to manage them. You just get the service delivered to you and you're bringing in all of that experience of SOPs and best practices and industry knowledge on payment platforms and just all of those things as opposed to hiring somebody in-house. So there's lots of different options and ways that you can go um, to solve that one. Yeah. So now everyone who's sitting there and saying, I need some help here, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So we put together um, a little guide for um, all of your listeners, and it is a uh, how to grow your team. Um, from the financial aspect of it. And you can go to our website, thecashflowcfo.com forward slash growing your team to get your hands on that. And um, that will give you all kinds of, um, it's a quick little checklist, all the info that you'll need in order to, you know, as your business scales to make sure you're bringing the right people in at the right time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for offering that. And we'll be sure to share a link to that in the show notes. All right. So I always like to wrap up with the same question. So we've all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right out of college, I went into venture capital, a venture capital firm, and then I climbed the corporate ladder from there. And so, you know, gosh, that was 20 something years ago. And, you know, (laughs) there weren't too many um, women in leadership roles back then. But I do have one leader. um, Her name is Jenny. And she, um, she really was a great model for how to balance growing, you know, uh, growing your career while still having time for family, for kids. You know, I had small kids at the time and it was really just a a good exercise in in seeing that, hey, you can have both. Um, You know, it might look a little different from everybody else because you're in corporate, but there's, there's ways that you can definitely make it work. So that was really influential for me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. What, a, what an influence like women leaders in the workplace can really have. I know that, uh, when I think I've shared a little bit on this podcast in the past, when I was in corporate, almost my whole leadership team in my department was, were women leaders and most of them had kids. Some of them were single moms and it was this completely different dynamic inside our department as it was in the other departments, I think that were, that were male ran. And it was just like seeing those things of the VP of the department getting a call that, you know, there's, her son was sick and being like, okay, I need to leave this meeting. You guys are on your own and being like, oh, like it's okay to 
to be that mom and to go and put your kid first. And I remember one of my bosses sent an email the one day saying, you know, her daughter was sick, so she wasn't coming in. And I just assumed she'd then be working from home. And nope, she was like, she took the entire day off. And the next morning was responding to emails. And I was just like, oh, you took the whole day off. And she goes, well, I have sick time. I'm allowed to use it when my children are sick. Why not? Why not be the mom who goes and snuggles with your child when they're not feeling well versus like, hold on, I got to go take 20 calls even though I'm home with you. And it was just like, it was eye-opening that when I had my own kids, it's like, I can, yeah, I can do this. I can be the corporate woman and be a good mom and balance it because the leaders in front of me have been there and are doing it now. Mm-hmm. And that speaks volumes for the company too. Like a company that offers that and, and that's one of their core values, you know, family and taking care of, you know, like they say on the airplanes, put your mask, your air mask on before you help others. I really think that if you have employees and your team that feels valued and you, you know, respect them and their family and the, the work-life balance, they're going to deliver and show up for your clients so much more. And it's just going to, you know, pay off in the end, you know, in tangible and intangible ways. So, right. Right. And especially at times like now with possibly more COVID lockdowns or everything coming our way, we're recording this about mid-November. We don't know what's happening. And to have your employees feel that you're there for them and are going to help them get through whatever's coming their way. Or even here in Florida, last week we had a, it ended up being a tropical storm, but at one point in time they're saying a hurricane and all of a sudden we're getting text messages from the schools that school's closing at noon, come get your kids. And guess what? There's no school tomorrow because, because they, they have to prepare because they use a lot of the schools as shelters and making sure that people are being safe. And so it's like, you have to make sure that you're helping people balance those items and showing them that they're fi- you care that they have families. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for joining me on the Growing Your Team podcast. I just loved all the information that you shared with us today. Thank you. I had a great time. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.